Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for episode number 12 of 24, episode 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Oh, we're breaking into the p.m.s now, almost. We'll be breaking the p.m.s next week. Sliding we get at least one. <laughs> <laughs> for at least one second uh, at the end of this episode. <laughs> um, so we're well past assassination attempts. We're well past rape attempts and now we're on to jack saves his family uh which i'm sure could be a great alternate title of this episode uh but uh this is an action-packed episode of a lot of guns and driving and cramps (laughs) and phone conversations in a limousine (laughs) all the exciting stuff that uh we've all been waiting for on 24 uh let's get into it uh, my name is Colin, and I don't feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. You went there. Uh, that was a controversial one. <laughs> didn't think you would go there, but you did. I'm still looking for my original quote, and I just found something I wrote in my notes, and it may or may not have been a quote from the show. <laughs> Our lost listeners will get this. You should maybe well just open with, mm, rodents. Um, my name is Ben, and I had a fight with your wife. Are you going to open the podcast or not? What did Jamie do? She posted a thing about you and said that Kiba Sutherland wasn't more attractive than you. So, <laughs> Which is the exact opposite of what she does because my wife finds me attractive, as we yes. learned. <laughs> I don't know what that's like, so I'm jealous. I really don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyways, this episode, uh, a lot going on. Um, not a lot of quotes as we've discovered, but, um, this is almost like the culmination. I mean, I guess I'm interested when we get to next week, because this was originally, uh, I'm sure they had the idea if it can go for 24 episodes, we'll go 24 episodes, but, uh, they had the backup plan that they were going to have a 13 episode arc. And this feels like the penultimate episode, like what's going to come next week. Now I don't remember what comes next week. So this almost feels like a, a bit of a mid season finale here. Um, but, uh, lots of fun stuff to talk about. I mean, I, I didn't mind this episode. I, I certainly don't think it's the best of the season, but it might be the most exciting of the season. Cause it's definitely the most action packed. I think far to rank it as anything. Well, it's, yeah, it's definitely that midway finale. I mean, literally we are midway through the season in this episode. And, and I mean, this is the trope we've gone over like 24 generally in three parts and, and often mid season is, you know, they have the big episode, right? Um, and I think we've mentioned a few times, like obviously this got picked up for the, the the pilot, then they order another 13 episodes and then they do another eight episodes after that. So we're nearly even at that point now where, you know, that initial order that Fox puts in, we're kind of at that 
that arc as well. So kind of we're, we're nearly at this point where the writers are essentially knowing what they want to do for the rest of this season. Um, but yeah, this, this episode, like I think I mentioned last week about how it's action packed and it is like, this is, you know, full on shootout at the end. And I always forget though, that it, it, I always feel this whole episode is like a shootout, but I always forget it's like kind of right at the end. It's only really like the last five minutes, but mm-hmm. it's one of these episodes. I think you complained a bit about the um, the assassination assassination attempt episode, which I loved. I loved the tension and the build up to it, and then you know the action was right at the end. It's kind of like this, but like you kind of alluded to that. I mean, it's just a lot of on the phone stuff on this this episode. Yeah. But but even then, like the stuff with like Jack sneaking around the compound and seeing his wife and kid and because I don't know their names um, and just <laughs> all the other stuff around it. Like it's, it's again, it's just, it's that build up and it's kind of, you come yeah. out of it and go, wow, that was an action packed episode. Um, and I think what's good about this episode too, is that while I think sometimes the mid season finale is kind of obvious a little bit in 24 and we're still going to get that with this season. Like as soon as spoiler alert, he gets the family out of the compound. Like you're thinking, okay, where now? And then they always drop a little carrot in front of you and go, okay, mm-hmm. there's still eight more episodes, 10 more episodes to go. This is what's going to happen. Um, you know, we're not quite there yet. I think they kind of structure it a lot more in future seasons, whereas you you know you're at episode 12. So um, it's, it's a unique episode 12, but it's an exciting episode 12. And um, we get a lot of dammits this episode, not just from Jack. I mentioned this to you just off air, but I, I, I think every character gets like five Dammits this episode. So maybe this is the birth of Dammit. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I didn't even notice one, but... Uh, really? I'll, I'll Jack says it at least three times. <laughs> Palmer says it at least three times in a row at one point. Uh, I think Nina drops a couple of Dammits. <laughs> Gaines drops a Dammit or two. Like, this is this is the Dammit episode of 24. The corpse of Jamie even did at one point. Yeah, Janet. Janet's, you know... <laughs> Janet! Damn it! It never gets any easier. The real Alan York in the trunk of the car. Milo didn't come in at five a.m. to say, "Damn it!" What, my, is Milo on a very extended break now? Yeah, M- Milo. Like, Milo's know. just gone pow on his computer. He's playing like Pac-Man or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I want to know what the the structure is for breaks at CTU because Milo's been gone for probably about two hours now. I mean, that's an extended lunch break for somebody who's only come in at five a.m. And we're going to nitpick as we always do, but there is for the real time aspect of this episode, there is one thing in this episode that absolutely makes no sense in terms of the time it happens to when it it gets discovered and uh oh, you know i'm curious because i didn't pick up on anything oh it's it's i think it's the first time i've ever picked up on it but um you know we're, we're still here 12 hours into our first day and again all just moments of silence for all the victims of the boeing 747 that blew up over the mojave desert that people have forgotten about <laughs> um i'm surprised that mike novick at one point doesn't go oh that bo- plane blowing up over the desert that would put a spike in your polls just like he says at one point in this episode oh that assassination attempt well your, your number's <laughs> gonna go up in the polls Mike, always the strategic thinker. Well, I I love Mike Novick in this episode, and it's the same thing that I mentioned in his first appearance, that this is uh, the only season we're ever going to get Mike Novick really getting to be the boss. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because after this, there's there's, a certain amount of reverence and respect you have to have for the president. Uh, And I forgot that we ever had a Mike Novick like this. We kind of start out with all the Novick Palmer stuff because it's essentially three scenes, two of which could have been one scene. Novik and Palmer are in the car. Yeah. And uh, Novik's happy that he's going to get a bump in the polls. <laughs> Before uh, yelling at David. I love, I love, yeah. I love Mike getting angry. <laughs> yeah, no, he gets really angry at him, which I loved. 
Uh, and then they have a bit of a conversation about, uh, you know, oh, uh, Carl Webb and Dr. Ferragamo. And tell me you didn't call him. I did. David, you know better than that. <laughs> bad, David. Stop being such a bad. <laughs> Uh, this is why you choose a black candidate. <laughs> Take your bend over, get on my knee. Bad David. Bad David. <laughs> Not very heavy on the Palmer drama here because it just seems to be uh, Palmer sulking now. As again, <laughs> Sulky David. <laughs> every character on the show repeatedly tells him, you did the wrong thing, David. Yeah. <laughs> This is not the route you want to go on. And, and I continue to agree with them more and more. Yeah. Uh, and there's no Sherry in this episode. Can we point out this is our first, I think, Sherryless yeah. episode, which is sad. But um, yeah, it's, it's, he's just sulky, David. He's just yeah. pouting. He's like slouched in his seat. Not- we need a new na- name for him because he's, th- this doesn't qualify as Grumpy Bear, David. No. This has to be like uh, <laughs> s- sulking. What's an animal that starts with S? Shark. So, well, how about not SH? How about sulking salamander, sloth. David? Salamander. Sloth. Sloth. Salamander sloth. <laughs> okay. well, sl- sulking salamander sloth. Salasoth. Uh, sure, that works. David. Isn't, wait, oh, that's going to catch on. <laughs> salamander. Isn't that the name of the villain in the first half of season three? Oh, that's Salazar. Oh. <laughs> Hector and Ramon Salamander. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait to get to the Salamander Drug oh, Cartel. <laughs> salamander Cartel. There they are. Evil. <laughs> Don't mess with them. Oh. Uh, but really the only thing that happens here is that uh, after being told you should not be talking to Dr. Ferragamo, David calls Dr. Ferragamo. And no, Ferragamo uh, calls gets, him back. Uh, and, then he, and then he gets hung up on. And yep. then Palmer calls him again. And he doesn't answer. Uh, so what happens, and this felt very rushed. It felt like they needed to be another scene in between it, other than the fact that this is a big surprise for the audience. But throwing this in in this episode where, oh, big twist, Ferragamo's building blew up. <laughs> it must have been a gas leak uh, five minutes after the phone conversation. Like, I, I want to see a little bit more from that, but it is a cool twist just to see, like, how much power everybody has behind this. It's like, you know what? We will blow up a building to keep this silent. David, bad sulking salamander sloth. And that's how 9-11 happened in the 24 universe. Um, now, this is <laughs> this is the, the, straight away, you're into it. This is the bit that, to me, the timeline absolutely makes no sense. So I've noted this down. The phone call that Palmer gets from Farragamo is at 11.20 a.m., right? And he gets the, you know, like, you're threatening to kill me. You're twisting my words. And I've got to say, if that's how Farragamo... Uh, Screw Farragamo. Like, he's leaking to the press that Keith's a murderer and he's, yeah. like, accusing... Like, I'm saying this now. Farragamo, racist. Um, <laughs> wouldn't have done this if it was a white candidate. Um, so 11.20 a.m. the phone call happens and to which Palmer's like, I'm grumpy salamander shark guy, <laughs> sulky. Let's, let's go to his office. So they go to his office. Now the last timestamp we get before this office scene is 11.39 a.m., which is at the 25 minute mark of the episode. This is at the 28 minute mark of the episode. So three minutes have passed. So this is 11.42 a.m. So 22 minutes have passed for somebody to organize a a fire or an explosion at this office to which the police, the ambulance, the fire crews have responded and discovered a body in 22 minutes, bagged it, and they're already basically at the point now where you've got calm cop going, oh, I believe there was a gas explosion. Now, 
I, I don't know how fast the emergency services work in Los Angeles in 2001. We saw them. They can't fucking find Jack Bauer escaping out of a back window. They're still searching for him. This is a guy who is wanted for wanting to kill a presidential candidate, and yet a, a therapist in, I don't know, fucking Santa Barbara gets blown up, and they're there within two seconds and have identified and bagged him. Like, this is mm-hmm. fucking hell. <laughs> if, if 9-11 happened in LA, Jesus, everything would have been identified within 20 minutes. They have completed their investigation too on the cause yeah. of the fire. <laughs> which which I think like this is this is where you're completely right. Um do this at the end of the ep- like this should be the the surprise at the end. Add another ten minutes to it for a little bit yeah. of credibility. Have this as the opening of the next episode. Like I get it, you want a Russian Palmer drama and you gotta do this, but and again, you've got to suspend disbelief on real time. Like, not everything can be perfect. But this is one of those ones which I'm surprised I've never picked up on. This is so unbelievable. And I figured out a great way to write around this. You, when you mentioned do this at the start of the next episode, imagine if the cliffhanger for this was like, okay, we are two minutes out from Farragamo's office. And you just see fire trucks and ambulances yeah. and police cars speeding past them. You don't know what it is. And then great start to the next episode. And, and I actually I actually remember watching this for the first time. And like you mentioned, like it's a bit of a shock. Like it is. It's a, it's a, a plot twist. You kind of, you understand that, you know, there's this threat against him and like, oh, is he going to get there in time? But so, and like, I remember when he rolls up to the office and you see, like, the, the fire truck and the ambulance, you're like, oh, you know. And I, I love, I do love Palmer and Dennis Haysbert delivers this with a real almost soap opera feel when Mike comes back to him and he's like, oh, they, they say it was a gas explosion. And Palmer's like, it wasn't a gas explosion. It was a murder. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to turn to the camera and, like, have this long dramatic play. It was murder. <laughs> like, I do like that. But, yeah, it's... um. Mm, I'm sorry that my analytical mind on the Oz Network is destroying this for people. I mean, it's it's been, what, 30-something years? It was about time that your analytical mind woke up uh, and started doing some work. And that's the only time you ever hear the words woke in a sentence describing Ben Mortimer. But, uh, also, and this, is, and this is the Palmer bit when he says, damn it, about three times in a row. And he gets out of the car and goes, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. So, well, yeah. briefly, as you mentioned, too, I, I forgot that Palmer does bring up the one time Palmer's actually right, where he's like, hey, um, so why don't you tell me about your conversations about my son? I'm sorry, but that's doctor patient privilege. Didn't stop you from talking to the press. <laughs> I say at this point, yeah, let it leak. You know, yeah. <laughs> just to see this doctor go down, this crooked I, doctor. He deserved to die in a gas explosion. Well, I'm going to say that. Like, this is probably the first time all season. Uh, maybe those terrorists who, like, Jack killed uh, in that episode, what, episode three or whatever it was. But first time, I don't give a shit that this guy's dead. He's a prick. Racist yeah. prick. Burned to death. You deserve it, Faragamo. Yeah. Rest in peace, though. Uh, no. So. Rest in peace. We, <laughs> rest in Mush. Just think about Puddles. it. He got burnt to death, Colin. He was in that office. Going, <laughs> <laughs> That's why we need another scene. <laughs> uh, so the, the CTU stuff again, we can kind of go through this briefly because this entire episode is just Jack on the case. Uh, so uh, I do love, uh, I did note that the first two scenes of this episode might be the most unnecessary scenes ever when you're immediately following a previously on 24 because you just saw previously on, it's like, okay, I'll take you to wife and daughter. Very next scene is Jack driving. How much further? <laughs> it's coming up. 
Next scene, Alberta Green briefings. So Palmer is still in danger. I want everybody working on this case. Okay, we all covered this on the previously on. Could have eliminated. There you go. There's your well, extra time to fit into the scene in. Uh, one thing I will add, I'm still missing the previously on in my episodes. So uh, to me, it's 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 valuable, Colin. But yes, you're right. Yeah, like well, they... Uh, they, I think that I, I don't know. Maybe they did add them to um, the the Amazon Prime ones I'm watching, or maybe they didn't. I I, I know that they have like the intros now, but aren't uh, they on tw- aren't uh, they on Disney Plus now? Didn't they have they, have they now they it is yeah. Over? yeah yeah. Which I'm curious to check that out to see if if the previous ones aren't on Amazon. Or are they Prime. on both uh, now? Like has Amazon Prime kept both. them? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's on both. Amazon Prime's weird in that they can have content that's on other platforms too. Hmm. Uh, cause, uh, there's another show that's on both right now. I can't remember what it is, but, uh, Jeff Be- Bezos, he's a man of just like, I'm just going to copy everything, you know, good for him. Good for you. <laughs> rich man. <laughs> you rich guy. You that's how- uh- <laughs> shut up. Rich man, actually, don't shut up. Don't shut us down. Uh, we're on Amazon. By the way, download the Oz Network on Amazon. We're, we're on the podcast <laughs> section. So we love our fearlessly. We're not on Disney Plus yet, but maybe one day. I just want to have a little complaint for Disney Plus Star, the new Canadian branch of Disney Plus that has all this other stuff. Uh, I was so excited this morning. I mean, I added Alias, which I've been watching Alias DVDs, uh, which take a long time to load on my computer. So I'm glad that there's uh, something I can stream it on. But I'm like, they got Boston Legal on there. I was a huge fan of the practice, huge fan of Boston Legal. They start at season three. Like, no. why? Why? Don't start. If you want to do seasons one through three and then later add four and five, don't start at season three. That's just lame, you know how- Disney. You know how they've been putting like disclaimers in front of things like this was a product of its time. It may be offensive to people nowadays. Yeah. Like, do, do they do that in front of like shows like Sydney Bristow isn't really a spy or is she? Maybe <laughs> she isn't. I don't know. Don't believe this. Like you may find this offensive that she is a, or isn't a spy. Like I feel like they need to extend their warnings to things like, you know, th- this is a real time format, but it might not be, you know, realistically, you can't blow up a, a psychiatrist's office in 19 well, minutes. Well, like. you know, funny watching the first two episodes of season three of Boston Legal, where William Shatner makes a blow up doll of Candace Bergen to have sex with and uh, a new a new employee comes into the office and immediately starts groping the females uh, and everybody just sort of laughs it off. <laughs> well, again, don't put a disclaimer on that. But you know what? All, all those uh, racially insensitive cartoons from the 30s, it was wrong. Groping women, okay, in 2008. Which is, which is um, yeah, like, why not? Um, I mean, <laughs> well, don't do it why now. Not? Don't do it now. Um, but <laughs> Just go back in time to 2008. The early 2000, well, mid-2000s, everyone had a blow-up doll of Candace Bergman. You know, it was, it, was a, it was a rage. It was like the new iPhone. Like, oh, what have you got there? iPhone? Oh, what's that other thing? Blow-up Candace Bergman. Oh, you, cool. You too. You can, yep. you can probably see mine in the background right now. I, I can. Yeah. <laughs> Colin, Google blow-up doll. Right, go on. See what, see, see what comes up. Oh, my God. What's this? Uh, <laughs> you know, we're very much dating that time we record this episode, too. We're talking about Disney <laughs> star um it's an yep. old thing by the way it's been around for months hasn't it it got, uh, it got me too it, it's been it's long gone <laughs> yeah at this point there are disclaimers in front of all the episodes and we look yeah. like idiots yeah uh, so so ctu stuff yeah uh alberta wants everybody working on the jack bauer lead this is still our best lead even though we only mention it every three hours that jack bauer has attempted to assassinate a presidential candidate uh, and also there was a lookalike there that just flippantly throws that away. But uh, Which go ahead. Is this, is this, so earlier in the season, we kind of got the the bit when Mason came in that, you know, Jack turned in his man like, you know, he was rat. And like, is the only reason that, I mean, that made sense back then with, with Mason. But 
why is everyone like so anti-Jack at CTU? And I mean, like, I get it. Like this guy mm-hmm. is wanted for allegedly, uh, you know, trying to kill a presidential candidate. But shouldn't there be a, a more of a like let's believe our man before automatically believing he's guilty? Because like. Like, Tony and Nina are the only... Like, okay, Jack's done some things which are wrong. I'm not... You know, we've gone over this. But at the same time, like, if this is a, a thing that happens at government agencies, as soon as, like, some guy is slightly accused of something, oh, no, get, get Division in. <laughs> Quick, find him. He's automatically guilty. Um, I mean, it's just... Is Jack that hated? Like, is this why we have uh, to have this story about Jack turning in his own people? Because this is why everybody at the entire agency is against him? So in all fairness, in the last 12 hours, he has injected his boss with uh, a needle, um, kidnapped his ex-mistress and co-worker, uh, mocked Tony for his flavor saver, I'm sure, at some point off camera. He's, he's done a lot of bad things. He's good looking. <laughs> but I also, I also found it really funny. He's like, you know, shouldn't they be supporting their man and giving him the benefit of the doubt? Anytime there's a complaint about something inappropriate was said in your podcast, I bet it was Noah. <laughs> well, it was. He's a racist person who can't get a date. Um, Stand I, by your man, Ben. Stand by your man. Um, it's, But I do, like, again, it's... It kind of works both ways in the fact that, yeah, they're, they're working on the Palmer threat and I guess their lead is Jack because they believe he's, you know, whatever, because they don't back up their own man. But, like, this is all that Alberta Green comes in and she's just, like, so gung-ho on nailing Nina and Tony that all these other people have come in for division. They've set up. There's, like, Jenkins at Station C and there's Bernadette <laughs> oh, at Station E. They're, they're really working hard on the manifest for the, the plane and the thing and yet they get no attention from their boss who's just watching the phone calls and putting them in room one and room two. <laughs> like, it's ve- like we talk about Palmer doing murder. Like this is like so soap opery with Tony in the room and like Alberta, you're in a yeah. lot of trouble, Tony. You you know you really do have a thing for Jack Bauer because again, not only has he done things to warrant this investigation, but the people she's like, oh, she's just really out to get Nina and Tony, the two people who are helping Jack behind him. She's right. She's she's the only character other than the Sherry in the season that is one hundred percent right. She, she is, and like I love that scene <laughs> when like she's grilling Tony. Is basically like I'm right, and he's like, no, you're not. And she's like, yes, I am. Like she's great, <laughs> and like you're absolutely right. She is right, but. Jack, he's so sexy. Like, you know, like, leave him alone. I'm sure this is you and Alias. Like, I'm sure Sydney Bristow does something and you're just like, oh, but she's so hot. Like, come on. Well, fair enough, fair enough. No, Jack um, Bauer is my Sydney Bristow. Put a, put a wig on Put a wig on him. Put a wig and a bikini on him. And he's <laughs> Ben's kind of woman. <laughs> Which, by the way, Ben, you sh- shared with me uh, Keeper's appearance on the late show in a dress. <laughs> Which I, I remember actually watching that live. I was at my friend's house and we were like, oh, Keep Sutherland's on Letterman tonight. And we were just like, what the fuck? Like, and I forgot about that. And just, if nobody's seen it, just go and Google Keeper Sutherland dress. And basically he had lost a bet um, on a football yeah. game and that uh, he had to go on Letterman in a dress. And it was just, the, the whole interview just loses the plot because like everyone's just gone like, what the hell is happening right now? Um, and if, yeah, you ever want to see Keith Sutherland in a dress? Actually, the other one, which is somewhat awkward, but kind of weird at the same time and funny, is when Letterman just basically grills Keith Sutherland on being in jail. Do you remember when Keith Sutherland <laughs> went to jail? Yeah. Um, and basically, because like David Letterman, like no holds barred. Like there was a famous yeah. one with uh, Paris Hilton where he basically made a cry and Lindsay Lohan, which is reset 
surfaced recently. They're like, oh, this is disgusting, his treatment. of It's like, he's doing his job. He's asking, how yeah. is jail? Wait, how is that a Barbara bad thing? Barbara Walters can make people cry and it's beautiful, but if David Letterman does, oh, yeah, wrong. Because he's a bit sleazy, but like, like he legitimately doesn't hold back. He's like, so, Keeper, what was jail like? <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell that he's so awkwardly like, oh, it was fine. Um, but yeah. There, there, there is nobody who has a better opening line or question than David Letterman. Like, you know, I'm just going to get everybody's attention right from which minute is, one. Which is like, I wish I was. I wish I could get here and go, Colin, so what was Googling? What, what was that like? You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Alberta Green decides to split up Tony and Nina because she knows that they're helping and she's right. Uh, now, the easy thing to do would be to see, say, let me confiscate your cell phone and see the last number you dialed. Yeah, that's a good point. Or <laughs> what GPS satellite you've just repositioned. <laughs> but no, she's got to go the interrogation route. Uh, we get a long scene of her interrogating Tony where Tony's like, I don't know nothing. It's like, oh, yes, I think you do. If I did know something, what would it be worth? But I don't know anything. <laughs> that's basically the whole scene. Now, looking through the trivia of this episode, I don't think I've ever found more technical goofs than there were in this episode, primarily in the scene with Tony, apparently uh, several times in the interrogation scene here, the camera shot is flipped. So what, for whatever reason, they decide to flip the frame and Tony and Alberta's positions change on screen like three times. Huh. Uh, cameras are visible in mirrors. Camera dollies are visible in the shot. Uh, and a crew member's head moves into the shot at one point. Uh, this isn't in the Tony scene, but another scene with uh, Alan Fork in the car. <laughs> so th- this this episode is full of technical errors, apparently. You know, it's um, interesting you say that because I was actually going to, I wanted to commend some of the camera work in the, the interrogation stuff because I know we've had it before and we'll get this a lot, but I love those shots when they do the split screen and you've got like zoom in on Alberta's face, right, on one box. Mm-hmm. And then on the other panel, you've got, like, the long shot of her, like, leaning over the table. So they're obviously filming that scene with the two cameras on her at the same time, and they're, they're showing both at the same time. It's very effective, like, particularly in an interrogation mm-hmm. scene because you can sort of get both angles of this of her point of view. Um, but I didn't notice. Like, that's, that's something that I did not even remotely notice. Well, and let's give a little bit of credit. Again, this is 2001. Take for granted now that every TV show is as big as this, but this was like the biggest television show, not biggest as far as success, but as far as scale goes and what you try to do and pulling off a cinematic look on network television, yeah. nobody had ever attempted this before. Yeah. Uh, and and is- Steven, Stephen Hopkins directed this episode too. I mean, he's essentially the man who made the style of 24. Yeah. And uh, I don't even know how many episodes. This is the last episode he directed, I think, out of uh, all the 24 episodes he did. So, And Howard um, Gordon, but- who, of course, would go on to uh, be an EP of this show, basically the showrunner later on and created Homeland. Um, he wrote this episode. So uh, mm-hmm. I think this is what he is. This his second episode of the season that he's done. Yes, it is. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's a pretty big name that I think more people again, associate with Homeland now, but um, yeah, I think, I, I think it's season five. He becomes the showrunner of this, um, which mm. is obviously renowned as maybe the best season uh, alongside this. So yeah, Howard Gordon, another big name, uh, which uh, is, is important tonight. And you can, I think you can always tell the quality when you have certain writers on board, like all of a sudden you get a really good episode. You're like, okay, this must be someone good. Yeah. And, oh, Howard Gordon, there he is. Yeah, well, actually, I will correct myself. The last episode that Stephen Hopkins does is the finale, 11 p.m. to 12 a.m. So he has several more episodes to go. Uh, but, you know, 
get, even getting a, a movie director to do a TV show, it's brand new. And when you're under time constraints where you got to film an episode in seven or eight days, hmm. you know, nobody had really ever done anything of this scale before, especially this one, which is very action packed. So I'll, I'll give them a little bit of uh, a little bit of a break for some technical errors and in an interrogation scene. But the interrogation scene's good. Uh, I, I feel like. Uh, Carlos Bernard, he doesn't really have a lot of, this isn't knocking him, it's just sort of his style with this character. He doesn't have a lot of range. This is not a guy who blows up, you know? So just to see little things that he does, like the way his eyes sort of dart around on the screen, you do get a good performance from here. And eventually when, uh, you know, uh, Nina eventually does um, uh, talk to Jack and then Jack says, okay, I'll call and clear your guys' names and he does. And Alberta lets him go. She even says, okay, I know you guys are still behind this. I'm going to keep looking. I'm digging for my evidence. Uh, and Tony sits down with Nina and he's like, you know, I don't think that I would have lasted for another 30 seconds if, if she hadn't, if Jack hadn't called when you did. Like, I don't know if I quite buy that with him, but there was enough of a change in his performance. Like first time in the season, I'm going to give real props to Carlos Bernard's acting. Yeah, and I agree with you completely. Uh, I just think it comes across as like, this is, it's very, and I'm not bagging, I feel like I always bag out soap operas. Soap operas have their place, but like, this is what we talk a lot about. Do they? (laughs) Nip Tuck basically extends out to be six seasons of an over-the-top, ridiculous soap opera, which is fantastic. So it's not always bad. But um, I think that when he cuts there and he says to Nina, like, Alberta worked me pretty hard. I don't know how long I was going <laughs> to... And I'm thinking, did she? Like, she kind yeah. of just yelled at you once. But then I, I, I do like this sequence when, like, this is, the, is this, like, the first real time that you kind of get an inkling that these two are together? Like, because she kind of grabs his hand and, like, rubs his hand. Yeah. And, and then, you know, earlier on we get the whole, like, yeah, like, here you may be the boss, but in the bedroom, you know, I, I make you... <laughs> here it's Nina, like... Don't worry, I won't forget this. <laughs> like, it's like, mm-hmm. and then I want Tony to be like, mm, yeah, I'm getting lucky tonight. Like, <laughs> sadly, we know he never will, but uh, that's a yeah. story for later in the season. Well, maybe uh, he did, poor- just you know, some capacity. <laughs> I mean, they, they probably did right out of the interrogation room here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, quickie in the bathroom. Yeah, that's how he relieves all the stress from the interrogation. Google that, uh, Colin. So the- What's that? <laughs> Googling me, Googling things has now become a thing. Yep. Uh, so getting to Jack's story, which is the majority of this episode. Uh, so how much further, Kevin Carroll? <laughs> Not much further. Uh, when they get there, he uh, Jack's hiding in the backseat. He says he's got a gun to him. Uh, they have a bit of debate about, okay, now let me go. No, I said when my wife and daughter are safe, then I'll let you go. Uh, Kevin, a.k.a. Allen here, uh, has that nice line where he says, you know, if you were able to satisfy your wife, <laughs> basically what he's saying. <laughs> uh, that's, how Jack knocks him uh, that's how I talk to you all the time about Jamie. <laughs> Jamie, talk to Jamie is like, Colin. J- Jamie, if you could satisfy your man like I do, what kind of conversation <laughs> is that? Yeah, Jamie, I don't see you creating <laughs> wedding vows to impress your man marrying a different person. Sure. Uh, I do like like the times that Jack puts pressure on Nina. Uh, like, what was it, two episodes ago with, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Mr. Billionaire in the backseat of the car? Copel. Uh, where, Copel. Yeah, yeah, yeah Copel, he's like, uh, all right, you got five minutes. I'll wait on the line. It's the same thing here. It's like, I need you to reposition a GPS satellite and send images of the, okay, Jack, it'll take me some time. All right, I'll wait. <laughs> yeah, just, don't even give her a chance to breathe. <laughs> and it's 2001. Like, 
I do love like uh, the way they drop these technology lines. Like nowadays we hear this and this is just standard. In 2001, this was like advanced where the way they're like, I'll get the GPS from the satellite and I'll download and high res to your Palm Pilot. Like, Ooh, technical stuff. Um, But yeah. <laughs> like your favorite thing happens here when he's opening his Palm Pilot. Beep, beep, beep. Like everything beeps when you touch on a thing. Again, 2001, this is still barely <laughs> dial up. How can he get it on a Palm? Like, I remember having my first phone with internet when you had like that thing called WAP and you had to go to specific websites. Like yeah. you couldn't just download an image. I, I think it was like 2008, 2009 when you had smartphones and surely US government's a bit ahead of the curve. I'm not saying that they probably don't have better technology than we do right now, but can he get something downloaded high res to his phone, to his Palm Pilot that's only like <laughs> Palm Pilot, yeah. <laughs> an hour old? And then I love Nina's like, Jack, it looks like these people have guns. Like... 2001 death like i was 14 in 2001 if i wanted to download porn i could barely make out a nipple and yet these guys are like getting guns in palm pilots like jesus the u.s government was ahead of the curve i just think it's even funnier that she felt the need to mention that too these guys have guns they kidnapped his wife and daughter and are behind an assassination attempt i'm pretty sure there's gonna be a gun or two nina just like what (laughs) oh no i'm changing plans i'm out of here damn it you're on your own my gun back in koval you didn't tell me i might need a gun damn it uh he does knock alan york out here um, we get a scene of Terry and Kim. This is where my line, I don't know if it was in the show or not, where Terry's like, I don't feel so good. Uh, and then Kim says, basically, is like, I, oh, this was after she had killed, yeah, because of how she killed him. It's like, oh, I don't feel very good about that. And Kim's like, I feel great about it. It's like, I want to kill some more. Kim, and not just the men, the women and the children. I ate them. They're like animals. I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them. It was, it's really weird. Just, she's like, I liked killing. I want to kill again. I, <laughs> Come I, here, Terry. I'll kill you. I weirdly like it. Like, I like badass <laughs> Kimmy. Like, we get we get a scene later in this season, Kim in jail, uh, when she's, you know, bring it on, that infamous scene. Why isn't she lasting with the Cougar next season? Like, you know, like I like it. I hate them. I hate all of them. The Pumas and the Jaguars too. <laughs> They're animals. (laughs) But it's just, I kind of just, I I like how they just gel over that. Like, I feel like this is a bit later on where Terry's like, Kimberly, we need to talk about your need to murder people. (laughs) Well, when she has to go into deep therapy in between season three and when when she came back in season seven or eight. Yeah. Like, we know Uh, that therapy was really, yeah, fine. Yeah, she, she became like a homicidal maniac during those seasons. I mean, she was behind... She was, it wasn't, the whole time we thought it was, um, uh, what's his name? Arnold Vosloo, who was the ultimate villain. No, it was Kim in season four. Imhotep, yeah. (laughs) Kim was behind us. I just want blood. Blood of the American (laughs) people. Which, in all seriousness, it actually weakens her character moving forward the more I think about it. Because you kind of get a couple of badass Kim moments. Like, Kim goes through some shit in this season, and you can kind of understand these brief moments, which is like, I like killing people, and bring it on. Whereas, like, moving forward when she's going to be in a bear trap with a cougar, like, <laughs> it, it, it just gets to well, a point where... this is And this is what people complain about Kim Bauer. She just becomes damsel in distress and, like, you know, oh, Jack's got to save Kim again. And it does get a bit repetitive and annoying. But, like, this is where you kind of have to have these moments of Kim's got this in her. Like, what, what happens yeah. to Kim? 
Well, yeah, that's a good point because I, I think what even more offensive to me than the cougar in <laughs> season two is the fact she spends the entire time running from some house husband. Oh, like, no, you, you should have cut that. this man's head off in episode two. Like, yeah. why are you in a, when she's cowering in a closet? Oh, season two is not going to be fun. Yeah, season um, two, Kim, like just, I, I will defend season three, get a promotion, Kim. And then I like get, season three, Kim, yeah. When we get sporadic Kim returns, having been with weirdly old psychiatrist guy for a while and i'm gonna like when they bring like after what season three season four onwards kim is is tolerable because she's only used sparingly but like Mm -hmm. season three kim again people rip into her but much better than people give credit for season two kim i can't think of many things to defend season two kim about so yeah we're gonna have a lot of fun next season with kim (laughs) and the funny thing is i like the rest of season two it's it's really just it's it's the fact they overuse kim uh is the other problem that's 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 exactly right 100 percent uh so anyways jack uh storms the compound eventually comes in finds kim and terry uh terry has some kind of line here it's like no jack don't leave me every time that we're not together something bad happens like infidelity or terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> don't, Jack. Don't leave me. You'll sleep with Nina again. That's what I want Jack to know. I heard you slept with Eli. I guess we we're even. Shut up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, Alan York had a few funny things to say about you too. <laughs> yeah, I want, I want Jack to be, like, super jealous Jack here. So what's this about, uh, you know, you telling Alan York that, you know, you're lonely? Hmm? Hmm? Shut up. Yeah, Terry's you know, annoying those, in this episode. Sorry, Terry. Those cramps don't look like a lonely woman. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, know I'm not that Terry's big to give you cramps. How big's Eli? <laughs> Seriously, Terry's cramps. Like, just stop already. It's just weird. <laughs> it's not the worst medical condition that happens to Terry this season. I will tolerate <laughs> cramps over what we're going to get soon, all right? Like, give me cramps every episode as long as I don't have to get Terry with amnesia. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, we're making fun of season two, but there's going to be some silly stuff here to, uh, still to come here. Um, so Rick comes in and even after, before he even enters the room, Terry and Kim both say, no dad, don't do anything. He's on our side. He's helping us. Jack immediately strangles him <laughs> almost to death. Like this is the most violent strangling I've seen. I mean, Martin Scorsese doesn't put this much aggression in his strangulation, in his films. Uh, he's literally, Kiefer Sutherland literally was uh, off oh, character, off script here. <laughs> yeah, he's having a lot of fun here, uh, but eventually he lets up. They're basically yelling behind me, cut, Kiefer, cut, Kiefer, cut. Damn it, let me interrogate him more. Somebody get this man a dress to calm him down. <laughs> I need a drink. Um, Don't, Kiefer, you'll go to jail. No, I won't. I'm Kiefer Sutherland. Damn it. Colin's wife has dreams about me. <laughs> Jamie won't leave him for me. Damn it. <laughs> cut, Kiefer, cut. Stop it. Uh, so Rick comes up with the escape plan here, uh, and um, it, 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 there's a quick thing with a Gaines phone call here where he says, "Okay, you got five minutes," and then uh, that's all Jack's giving is five minutes. Okay, so you got a better plan, Jack? We're not waiting five minutes and fifteen seconds, girls. Uh, <laughs> Which he does. He waits a lot longer than five minutes. <laughs> I love when um, Rick goes to get the van and, and Gaines comes up on. What are you getting the van for? It's like, oh, Eli told me to get a van. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take the van then. <laughs> I love the back and forth between Gaines and Rick. Well, <laughs> like, 
this it goes back to a couple of weeks ago what was it when uh um rick was like you know what you don't have to pay me right now it's okay if you can get me that's very nice he does the same thing here too it's like unless you don't want me to take the van you don't want me to listen to eli no that's fine you do what your heart tells you <laughs> like gains this the way that he like so condescendingly says yes yes rick whatever you think is best like i love games i'm gonna miss them so much and i also really like rick this episode because i love it the way like like he does a really good job in the way he's kind of betraying this panicking and like sneaking around and i like it when he's like getting the van and he's kind of looking at his fellow henchmen kind of like sir like you know goes goes to the next car sees a guy g'day charles how you going <laughs> goes to the next yeah. one. Oh, sam good yeah, looking good yep <laughs> I like it when he finally gets in the thing and Gaines is there. I like, I would be terrible in this situation. I get in the van because this, and I just thought the way he's like, oh yeah, no, uh, Eli asked me to get the, the thing for, uh, to get the bodies. And Gaines is like, what, you can't move two women? And then Rick is just like, oh, well, that's what Eli said. So yeah, we love Eli. <laughs> I, I do as I'm told. Yep. I'm a good henchman. <laughs> good. Like he's actually really, really good in this episode. I like that. Can I yeah. just, I, I, I said to you off air, remind me about Rick's shirt. I've got to say this Oh right yeah, now. Rick's shirt. So, according to the uh, official companion seasons one and two by Tara DeLulo, um, the most expensive piece of costuming for this season was Rick's shirt. Uh, basically, <laughs> what a um, shirt too. Well, they 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 bought two flannelette shirts for uh, Rick Daniel Bess, um, and then they they thought you know he's just going to wear this for the entire season. But then of course when he gets shot and they've got to get blood all over it. Um, they of course had to keep like changing it. So uh, essentially, every single time they had to do redo this shirt, they had photographs of the original shirt. Then they had to make new panels. Uh, then they had to pay per square inch of this flannel shirt. <laughs> essentially, it would cost them um, three shirts to fully do. Every time they did a shirt, it cost them a thousand dollars. Because they had to make sure the pockets it's- were in the right place, and then they had to make sure everything looked the same. So yeah. You- David Palmer's suit doesn't cost $1,000. I don't even think Daniel Best got paid $1,000 to be yeah, in 24. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so, I mean, that's, there you go. Uh, the, if you, if you ever, if you're a, um, a hunter of like clothing from TV shows, you like to keep props, track down Rick's <laughs> shirt from season one, probably worth a little bit by now. And you know what's crazy? If you add up the amount of shirts they had to make throughout the course of this season, those shirts cost more than Dan and Rick were going to get paid for killing Janet. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. That's ridiculous. Poor Janet. Um, so uh, escape scene comes up here. Uh, of course, they do find uh, Alan York's taped up body or wrapped up body, <laughs> mummified body. Head of the scene. <laughs> yeah. I want to see that Jack scene Bauer. of Jack just going, damn it, wrapping around me, <laughs> shoving a towel down his throat for shits and goons. Uh, but yeah, the, the Mr. Diehard Henchman here finds uh, Alan York's body. Uh, Rick makes a break for it. We get an escape in the van. Uh, this is where all the action comes. We get a shooter. Like you said, it's five minutes, but it's probably the longest action sequence we've had on 24 and mm. will have for a while. Uh, gunfire everywhere. Tire gets blown out. Um, they're outside the van one to uh, run, but Jack's like, no, I got to hold off their fire. Oh, you'll never hold off by yourself. You will if I'm with you, <laughs> Rick. <laughs> Big hero moment for Rick. <laughs> but it's not going to last long because he gets shot in the process. Um, and then he goes course, down Jared- like a, like, and then he can't even walk. He gets shot, he's just shot in the leg, he's shot in the arm, and he's on the ground. Oh, leave me, leave me. <laughs> I sprained my ankle. <laughs> you got to carry me, Jack. <laughs> I, would, I would like Jack at this point, like, okay, 
he's looking out for Kim because we get that scene when Jack's basically like, do you trust him? And Kim's like, I do. It's like, Jack's just basically saving this guy so he can pork his daughter. Like, essentially, like, yeah. Jack has no loyalty to this guy. Okay, he helped Kim. But at the same time, you just choked him for, like, 20 minutes because, you know, you, you, you're Jack Bauer. Like, you, yeah. you're going to question these people, right? So, like, why all of a sudden is he like, like, can't he just go to Kim? Oh, no, he died. <laughs> <laughs> Like, come on, Jack, you're protecting your father. Like, are you going to be at the wedding, like, giving a speech at Rick and Kim's wedding? I remember when you were shot and I could have <laughs> I could have left you die. So you owe me, damn it. <laughs> what if it, what if, like, this whole thing ends and Kim and, um, I was going to call him Dan. No, not Dan. The, the shorter one. Uh, <laughs> the shorter one. Smaller dick. Ki- yeah, Kim and Dan. You uh, Dan, not Dan. Rick. Kim Rick. and Rick. <laughs> Kim and Rick eventually get together. I mean, is Jack gonna do worse to him when he finds out? Like, you know, oh, oh they were messing around before they were married. <laughs> Imagine the things that if Jack's willing to choke the man because he tried to save them. What is he gonna do when he finds out that she's not a virgin? What was what was the um the guy in the very first episode when Jack's calling like through Kim's Rolodex? And it's basically I'm going like, to call him Dan too, though. <laughs> yeah, like basically like, I'm going to find you. Like, you, you know, like I again, as we said in that episode, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to date Jack Bauer's daughter. Like, even if it is Alicia Cuthbert, yeah. I think as soon as I find out that her, even in real life, I think that I would be scared to go after Alicia Cuthbert <laughs> yeah. because I'm like, oh, actually, it's like, you know, I'm only playing a character because I'm sure Alicia Cuthbert's debating me why, why we won't be in a relationship. <laughs> ben, please, I know you're married, but I love you. You host the Oz Network. Oh, I can't, Alicia. You're, you're married to that guy and also your father is Jack Bauer. Oh, that's almost only playing a role please i'll leave my husband for you no sorry alicia uh, like, it's taken the only us this reason. Lo- <laughs> it's taken us this long but uh with that we now have confirmation that dion Phaneuf is a braver man than ben waterworth oh, dion Phaneuf, it was, it was in mean, question in question before that <laughs> i wonder i wonder if there's like there is a, a moment somewhere where you've got like keeper sutherland and dion Phaneuf, like jack bauer <laughs> questions <laughs> Damn it, Dion. Shut Choking up. Choking up. Senators suck. <laughs> well, he's Canadian. I'm sure he, I'm sure Kevin Sutherland's got a team, doesn't he? Come on. Uh, where, I mean, where he, he's Sutherland's from Saskatchewan. From? Well, he, Saskatchewan, so I guess the closest to him would be, well, it would be a toss-up between Calgary and Winnipeg, I guess. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, let's keep <laughs> talking. I'm going to find out Kevin Sutherland's <laughs> an <angel team. laughs> Uh, not much else to say other than they um, limp away <laughs> at the end of this episode. Uh, there is a couple of nice things that I uh, happen here. I mean, as, as bad as it is with Terry, is like everything bad happens because we're not together. And she pulls it again when it's like, no, Jack, I'm not leaving you. It's like, no, you're here to protect our daughter. We do get the one nice moment of um, uh, Jack and Kim where she says, you know, we got to finish that chess game. I'm two moves away from checkmate. <laughs> and he's, oh, you think so, do you? <laughs> uh, completely forget about the chess game, but it, it comes back. It's important for continuity. Uh, but I, I, as cheesy as it is, I like Rick's hero moment here. Um, I like the whole getaway, uh, the, the henchman discovering the body. I mean, it, like you said, it, it's not even so much the action. It's just the tension. It's one. This is what 24 is going to be known for. And this might be the first example of let's just build tension upon tension upon tension. Every mm. time you, you're out of it, let's throw one more thing in there. So uh, it really does make the episode. But um, you know, this is this is sort of the beginning of what we're eventually going to get with 24. Yeah. And I think kind of it's always great to see badass, um, 
badass Jack because, I mean, this again, this is what everyone loves Jack Bauer for. And, you know, it's kind of been few and far between to get here. And, and you know, we, I always make the most of these moments when kind of, you know, Jack's a different guy. So, yeah, um, I think it, it, it's great. And uh, we get a couple of kills as well. Jack finally gets a, since Ted, he gets two kills at the end here, according to 24 Wiki when the van blows up. I love a good explosion. Um, yeah. You know, I love him cutting the fuel line and then shooting it. So, um yeah, and like also like the scene when he actually when he goes into the compound and he sees Terry and Kim and then you've got that sad music like we talked about that when he when he first saw Terry in the hospital right like you've always kind of got this great score by Sean Callery basically like oh here it is this and like it, it makes you, it does make you feel because like you twelve hours of Jack trying to find his wife and daughter basically so when you have these moments together and you kind of think oh it's over and you know it's not over so yeah <laughs> it's it's kind of it's a nice moment I do like when when they're hearing this noise and Kim and Terry are about to escape, Kim's got the knife, Terry's got the gun, and Jack just comes in and, like, he just, again, he loves choking people, so that's choking his own wife. Why not? Um, <laughs> I, I, I wonder why Kim waits back for, like, like Kim's got a taste for murder all of a sudden. So why is Kim still <laughs> hiding in the corner? Kim should be jumping in there and stabbing the shit out of the dad. <laughs> like, yeah. that's what should be happening. But, yeah, no, it's, it's all, I, I love everything that happens with the last bit, and I kind of think that, you know, definitely sells this episode. We get, I think, three damage from Jack I've got here. He's up to eight for the season. So more damage in this episode than kills, which is good. Um, yeah. And also, just quickly, I, I'm trying to find NHL stuff from Jack. All I found is a picture of Keeper Sutherland in a hockey jersey with 24 on it, uh, <laughs> posing with the, uh, the, Ly- the Los Angeles Kings mascot, Bailey. He participated in a celebrity oh, game before, before the Kings took on Anaheim in 2010. And then I've found another news article here uh, where Keeper Sutherland uh, is basically tweeting that the Nashville Predators were robbed. Um, he's, <laughs> he's a tweeted, Predators man. Wow. Dear NHL, I love you and always will, but Preds NHL were robbed tonight. Um, so... Yeah, uh, 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 that was after an infamous goalie interference call, which also involved Carrie Underwood tweeting. So, um, <laughs> yep. Okay, oh, so I don't know if he's really a Preds man or if he's just uh, he's just tweeting his disgust. So we know he likes the NHL. We just don't know who his team is. Uh, we're gonna say it's Winnipeg for now. <laughs> That's my we, call. <laughs> we know. We know. I mean, I know English Cuthbert's a big Los Angeles Kings fan, but um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm gonna find. I want to find this out. Just find it, Ben. Come on. Damn it. Damn it, Ben. <laughs> uh, so what are you gonna do, buy renter Ben? I'm buying this episode. I loved it. Um, I didn't love everything about it, but the stuff I didn't love was so minor in the episode. Um, sorry, I'm still on the who does he go for in the NHL page. Um, <laughs> are yeah. you buying the Nashville Predators or binning them? Binning them. They they knocked out uh, Anaheim, didn't they? And we didn't make the Stanley Cup finals a few years ago. Um no, I'm I'm buying this episode. Uh, I think it's a it's a great episode. I don't I'm not gonna rate this as high as a couple that we've done. Like last week, for example, I still think better. I still like the shootout other uh, I'm gonna make, put this third. or fourth. Uh, yeah. no, I'm gonna put it third. Why not? I'm putting it fourth on mine. Um, so just ahead of the uh, episode eight was the assassination attempt, or was that nine? Uh, that was eight. What was that one? Okay, yes. Yeah, so um, yeah, this will be just ahead of the assassination attempt for me, but number four on my overall Which, list. It's a great episode. It's- yeah, and I mean, it's reflected on the on the IMDb 
ratings. Uh, I believe this is ranked 24 of 24 episodes. So 8.8 on uh, IMDb. So this is sandwiched between day 8, 12 p.m. to 1 p.m., that famous episode, uh, and day 2, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m., which uh, I can't say what happens in that without spoiling something quite big for this season. So, uh, yes, 24th best episode of 24, according to IMDb. And next week we're going to get into uh, the, I guess, the real mid-season finale, um, uh, which could potentially have been the last episode of season one. This will kind of be the end of the gain stuff before we start transitioning into the um, uh, Drazen Brothers uh, and <laughs> it's amnesia. We, we get another like Drazen brother next week, don't we? Meet uh, one of the no, one of the sons. Sorry, I think we meet um, him for the first. Alexi, don't we? Next week is that next week? Uh, let me check. I think um, it is. I'm pretty sure we get our first taste of long-haired, no. attractive. Um, what are they? Croatian? Uh, yeah, no, I Serbian. can't see. I Serbian, know. Sorry, we do have Zelchko Ivanic back next week, which will be amazing. Of course, um, any any time he's back. No, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure we do meet Alexis for the first time next week. Uh, we do, yes. I'm looking here, um, which is always exciting to meet Alexis, um, the, the most attractive Drazen son. Um, can I just hold this picture up to the camera? No one's going to watch this except for, for Colin. Look how attractive Gaines is in that picture, staring off into oh, that. Oh, girl, I'm going to shoot What a man. You. What a man. I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> Rest in peace, Michael Massey. Um, girl, I'm going to shoot you. Girl, I'm going to shoot you. we get that on a T-shirt? Girl, I'm going to shoot you, Ira Gaines. Um, all right, so we'll be back next week for some... Ira Gaines Goering, <laughs> some Kim uh, Bloodlust, <laughs> and Jack choking somebody, I'm sure. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Colin, and um, I've got that important policy statement in healthcare coming up. <laughs> oh, famous. Put that on a t shirt. <laughs> my name is Ben, and grr, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon 
That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>